Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, today we have the head of marketing at BWS, Vanessa Roed, on the mics with the client lead at BWS's media agency, Cara, Bianca Falloon. They're one of 52 finalists in the Media Federation's awards for 2021. This is a really interesting and timely case study and conversation tapping the rich thread that so many brands talk about, going local and going Australian. As BWS admits, driving demand through COVID was not difficult for liquor retailers. Some of us, perhaps more than others, enjoyed more spirits, red wine and beer than we should have. That's me, by the way. But the BWS challenge was ensuring that local Australian brands were still around on the other side of COVID whenever that might happen. Local has been on just about every brand's radar since COVID kicked. Some authentic, many less so. But you should buckle up for this one. Growth targets of local brands and products at BWS from this campaign were aiming for a 5% lift in sales. BWS got 20%. But before we dig in, this is the first episode in our series with the Media Federation and its annual MFA awards, showcasing some of the best work from brands, media agencies and media on how they've helped move the needle on commercial results from smart strategic thinking and campaign executions. This series will cover a selection of the 52 finalists I mentioned earlier in the MFA awards that sound interesting to the MI3 editorial team. Hardly scientific, I know, but interesting nonetheless. The MFA awards winners will now be unveiled in a rescheduled event in February next year. In the meantime, all you've got until then are these MI3 conversations, small mercies, as they say. So let's unpack the BWS work. Welcome, Vanessa and Bianca. Uh, Vanessa, to you first, BWS had a plan pre-COVID that you, like many, had to tear up. What was wrong with what you were working on before the dreaded virus hit? And welcome, Vanessa. Good to, good to have you on. Thanks, Paul. Um, lovely to be here and thanks for having us on. Uh, to answer your question, I'd say there was nothing actually wrong with the plan. Um, As marketers, you know, we were really comfortable with the plan we had, but when you work in retail, uh, you have to be ready to pivot at any time when things happen. And when COVID hit, um, we kept hearing from all of our buying team and our merchandising team how hard our suppliers were being hit. Um, It wasn't just COVID, actually. It had also been a, a a whole heap of things in the lead up, floods, bushfires. And so our suppliers were really hurting. Um, so when we heard that, we thought, well, you know, we've got a strong plan, but actually if we're going to do the right thing and support, you know, all of our suppliers who have supported us over the years, we actually need to pivot. And so looking at how we could do that was the opportunity that ended up in this campaign. At what point did you go, we need to shift? Right in the early parts of COVID or at what point did you go, right, we need to move it on? We'll move it up, shake it up. Look, COVID hit and there was a a few weeks where we were really just, you know, as a business um, having to address all the challenges that that was throwing with us, with our store network. I mean, we've got 1,400 stores. So um, operationally, you know, we were probably fighting fires. It It wasn't really until we started looking at how we're going to pause certain activity, what's happening with supply and then what was happening with our suppliers, um, which was probably a few weeks in, to be honest, that we went, actually, let's look at how we address this opportunity. 
So, Vanessa, before we get into the campaign and the results uh, of what you've done, what were you going to do before you changed tack? Um, what was what was in the pipe? Sure. We actually had a very strong plan around gifting. Um, BWS is a last-minute gifting occasion, right? We are so close to um, every all of our customers. We're on every corner shop. So, um, people use us as that last-minute occasion for, you know, when they're thinking, oh, shit, I forgot someone's birthday. Um, so, we were really going to <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a really strong insight, right? And it's true to so many people. So um, we were looking at exploding that, but it just felt like the wrong time, to be honest. You know, it really felt like the wrong time to talk about gifting, to talk about those things, and to do it in a humorous way when there were so many people dealing with this um, epic issue at the moment. So we really felt like we had to pivot. Got it. And it makes sense. Um, we'll get to the details around the thinking in the campaign shortly, but uh, up front with this new effort, what was it called? You've got a, a, a tagline for it, but what were the numbers that you wanted to see? What does success look like, Vanessa, in terms of this new campaign? Most importantly, if we go back to the, you know, the, the key thing we were trying to address, it was to support our local suppliers. So we wanted to see first and foremost an increase in the sale of local products through our stores. And we knew we could get that through our store teams pushing it, but we wanted to also create that demand and that passion. Um, as a brand, we're very focused on NPS and we wanted to see a two-point increase in NPS um, and also in brand preference. You know, everybody wants to be the brand that customers choose and we're the same. Um, and so we set ourselves a target of increasing our brand preference by 5%. And sales, what were your volumes? What were your volume expectations there, uh, Vanessa? Yeah, we, we were hoping to see about an increase of around 5% in those sales of those local products. And where did the numbers land? Because you've, you're on the other side of the campaign now. Um, what happened? This campaign smashed it. It was really exciting to see. Um, we ended up increasing the sale of local products by 20%. So a huge increase. And I have to say, you know, that's also a big thank you to our store teams who pushed it and our customers who really got behind local. Um, we ended up seeing an increase in NPS of 10 points. So again, you know, huge growth versus the target. Um, and we haven't seen those sorts of increases, you know, in a long time um, for our brand. So that was really significant. Um, and brand preference, we hit our target of an increase of five points as well. It's really interesting. They're very good numbers. So what did you actually do um, and, and why? We'll get to what you did and then why local so important because everyone's talking about it, right? But it's hard to get right sometimes. Um, what, did, what was the campaign that um, you rolled out? So we called it our local lovers campaign. And it was essentially, you know, uh, calling out two suppliers who far and wide across the whole of Australia and asking them it, to get involved. And if they wanted to be part of BWS and be stocked in BWS, then we were going to give them a platform to do it. We then called on the Australian population to actually get behind those products that they love and those local suppliers that they love and vote for them to be stocked in our stores. And then the last part um, was really around actually showing true dedication to those brands. So getting them in our stores, but that wasn't where it was going to end. We actually wanted to support them on their journey. So um, giving them marketing and advertising support so that they could really be a success when they actually hit our store shelves. You were talking about suppliers. Did you take on new suppliers in this in this effort as well, or is it your existing suppliers? All new suppliers. All new? All new suppliers, This, yep. is, this is getting more interesting. So what did you do to find them? This is part of the, the communications effort then, to, to, or did you reach out through your supply chain to say, hey, come on board? A bit of both. So um, we definitely put a call out to say, if you're a supplier and you want to be stocked in BWS, 
contact us and we had a whole um, ecosystem on how they could do that. Um, but we also went through, of course, our buying and merchandising team who have got all the contacts um, with all the suppliers and they went out to them as well and said, you know, if you want to be involved in this, this is an opportunity. So it wasn't only just about being stocked in BWS, it was also an opportunity for them to just showcase their brand through our, the forum that we created with this platform. Getting to the local bit, Vanessa, you know, so many brands talk about um, trying to do local and Australian um, and sometimes authentically, sometimes not. Did COVID change or intensify the sentiment amongst Australian consumers for going local or did you just find a, a way to, to tap it authentically and do it better this time? Was there a sentiment change, do you think, in the population as, as COVID kicked? Yeah, I think there definitely was a sentiment change, absolutely, because the public were hearing these stories that were happening and they'd been hearing them for a while, right? We'd heard about the vineyards being burnt in, you know, the bushfires. Um, we'd heard about the floods. I mean, everybody knew that Aussie... Um, suppliers across multiple industries were hurting. So I think that we've definitely seen this shift to supporting Aussie producers. Um, we as a brand have always been focused on local. So we definitely already had lots and lots of local brands stocked in BWS. It wasn't anything new for us and our merchandising team to be going out and actively finding them. Um, and it's something that BWS is always really proud of, right? We, we do have, you know, in our Manly store, we will have um, Manly spirits and, and suppliers who are local to that area. But what I guess we wanted to do this time was exactly to what you just asked. We wanted to fast track it. We wanted to really um, almost explode the opportunity beyond the normal processes. And so that really meant that our merchandise and buying team had to change the, their process in, internally and really help um, onboard suppliers really quickly because, I mean, we had about 290, you know, nominated local suppliers. That's an enormous amount of suppliers that came forward and said, we want to be involved. How can we get involved? Did that, what did that range from, Vanessa? Did it range from sort of like local gin players to craft beer to what, what, what how far did it go? How broad did it go? It went far and wide. I mean, we had some, you ha we had the likes of Kyle Sanderlands and his sangria right down to, you know, a little local distillery in, um, you know, in Queensland. So um, yeah, we found little pockets of, you know, beer brewers in Marrickville and all sorts of places. Um, it was quite, I would say it was quite rewarding actually to see all these really innovative brands, um, you know, come out of the woodworks and talk to us as a, as a big brand, but also um, they supported each other, which was really nice. It, it didn't feel like they were competing. It felt like they were all championing this cause together. As a collective, if you like, yeah. Um, how did you go with, did, did, did Kyle Sanderland Sangria get, get into store? Oh, of course. <laughs> how did it sell? It's, it's doing well. Um, I mean, essentially, you know, we didn't choose the winners, right? The public chose the winners and they had to vote. Okay. So um, brands like, you know, Kyle Sanderlands were out there pushing his brand and, and so people voted for him. But what was really lovely was there were smaller brands like, you know, Sunshine and Sun's Gin um, that were, you know, they used their local network to really get behind them and, and they, they ended up being stopped. I mean, they they were stopped as part of this campaign, but they remain in our stores and they're now in about 57 stores across Queensland. Right. So, you know, these are players that were discovered that have maintained their presence because they're great products and 
you know, customers are still supporting them to this day. So how local can you get with with the massive, what, how many, thousand something stores, 1,500, 1,600 stores, I think you said. How local can you get in terms of that sourcing? So like you said, in Queensland, you've got some of your stores, Queensland stores stocking it. Do you get down to a, 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 a local area network or uh, for a local product? What happens there? Absolutely. So, you know, we curate our range by store. So we don't have, you know, one size fits all across our 1400 stores. Mm. Um, It is a really big task for our merchandising team to have that curated approach, but it's absolutely the right thing. It's what our customers want. It's what our store teams want. They want to support brands in their local areas. So yeah, you'll find something in Adelaide that you won't find in Sydney that you won't find in um, Melbourne, you know, and that's just the way that we, we want to differentiate our brand. Um, I'll get to Bianca in a minute on the details, but winding up on the local thing, um, Vanessa, do you think local and Australian is sort of here and it's changed it? Uh, it'll hold for some years now, this this sort of sentiment and attitude that, that Australian customers and consumers have, or do you think it will sort of fade a little bit as we get further out of COVID? What's your sense on the, on the, on the permanence of, of this local uh, sort of sentiment? I really hope that it's here to stay. And I say that because I really believe that we deliver great products in Australia um, and we have an industry here that's worth supporting and that um, is innovative. And so my belief it's here to stay just by seeing, you know, the support, particularly on this campaign. It wasn't a one hit wonder as I gave you the examples before. The products didn't just sell in the first couple of months. They've continued to sell, which means, you know, customers actually, you know, they get behind local when they try the product. They like it and they continue to support it. So definitely within the liquor industry, I would say that that trend is here to stay. Um, and and it's, it's an inherent part of our strategy. You know, yes, this was a campaign that really pushed local, um, but it wasn't just a comms piece, as you can see, which I think is where a lot of other brands get it wrong. You know, they um, they do it at a surface level, um, but it's not backed up by any genuine act. What I'd love to see is other brands really building in to their businesses this real local focus. Um, and I think if you do that and it's inherent to your business, then it is here to stay. Bianca, welcome. Let's unpack this campaign that you were working on with BWS, the three key pillars uh, that we're in your um, in your submission tell show and prove it sort of almost goes to what Vanessa was saying just just earlier about um, doing rather than just saying in communications can you break down this this these, these three pillars for us and and what you were working on and what you did welcome by the way thank you thank you for having us um, yeah sure so as Vanessa touched on the three pillars of tell show prove we're really about bringing to life our campaign strategy which was built upon creating a platform on brand acts and proving that we were genuine about supporting locals. So in the first pillar tell, we were all about telling people that BWS supports local by ranging and promoting the local suppliers. And the creative itself invited people to become a local lover. And we actually used existing fans of local brands in the creative as we really wanted to communicate BWS's commitment to local while also helping build awareness of the local brands in each area, giving them the support where they really needed it most. And the challenge here was really communicating the vast number of local brands at scale across Australia, which we did through hundreds of videos, which we all mapped back to 45 different localised areas we created. The second pillar show was all about showing people that we were for the locals by letting them decide which products BWS would range. 
So as you could probably imagine, for any up-and-coming brand, the hardest thing that they would ever do is secure ranging in a retailer. Therefore, it was really important to BWS to show the local brands and suppliers just how serious we were in our commitment to support them. So we created this competition for 18 local brands to be ranged in all BWS stores in their state. And we made it really easy for the brands themselves to enter. And they only needed to encourage their local fans to vote for them on the BWS website. And we obviously promoted the competition more widely through paid media. There's a lot of creative execution. A lot of, there's a lot of project management there. It's sort of almost like, um, you know, you had local creative for local regions then, local areas. Is that, that's how detailed it got? Yeah, it got, it got quite, um, quite detailed and quite hyper-local. And obviously we use things like Vogon with YouTube to help facilitate that and swapping out bits of um, messaging while still maintaining the same kind of creative framework. So just, just break that up a little bit. So when, when you knew that there was a someone coming in, say, on YouTube from a certain area, you could you could serve the creative to that area or is that, is that how it worked? Yeah, that's correct. So we had to, with all the 1400 stores that we had, we had to import the longitudes and latitudes of each store, which obviously was a bit of a mammoth task. And we created these 45 local clusters throughout Australia nationally. And that's how we knew where to serve what local creative to what specific cluster that lined up against each of the different store networks across Australia. So you had then, did you have local suppliers in those clusters that were aligned to it? That was just in the messaging to call to action before you even had the the suppliers uh, on board? So yeah, so the first pillar was really around the existing local suppliers that we had. Um, because we hadn't really, we didn't know who the, t- the nominated local brands were first. So right, right. the first pillar was really about proving and August telling people that we actually already do kind of support local. Um, it's something that we do and we wanted to, I guess, bring awareness to the existing local brands that we had and give them the support in their, in their local areas. So that was the first part of the campaign was getting the message out there and it was by, by local cluster. Then what happened? Yeah, so after we called everybody for the competition and say, hey, get involved, um, we really want to see will give you the opportunity to get stocked in a BWS. The final pillar of the campaign was really around that proof and about demonstrating and proving that our commitment to local is much deeper than just ranging and comms. So here it was really important to BWS that we supported the local brands through this journey and we gave them regular updates on their vote tallies. We also gave all the nominated brands toolkits of logos and images and campaign collateral so they could implement their own marketing campaigns, which they definitely did. Which I think they did, didn't they? They got on they got on board. Yeah. Yeah, we had some we had some suppliers buying like their own local out of home panels and right. doing their um, doing social posts and everything. So it was really it was really awesome to see them really getting behind the campaign. And that was encouraging their customers and their people to try and vote for them to get stocked. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly, yeah, right. exactly. So they really, really went all out. As I guess you could imagine, it's such an awesome opportunity. So, you know, why wouldn't you? Just on the campaign reach, sorry, Bianca. So when you talked about the YouTube local cluster stuff, that's really interesting. What else did you do and what did, what was the reach? How big a audience did you get to in that lead up of the campaign? Do you know what were the objectives there? In terms of some of the platforms that we did use and partners, we had a really good partnership with Concrete Playground, who was kind of like the anchor for this campaign and 
they went to, well, we went to a lot of effort with them. We did a series called Meet the Maker uh, with Concrete Playground where we featured 30 of these different 291 nominated brands and we wrote these articles in quite in-depth detail around who these brands were, what their backstory was, why you should vote for them. And it was really about giving a little bit more exposure to these brands and encouraging people to vote even if they didn't know too much about who they were. Um, and obviously we did um, a lot of other activity around like with YouTube and we had some radio activity and social, etc. just really amplifying the creative to get mass awareness. So in terms of uh, the, the, the target for this campaign, under 40s, I, I guess, Bianca, and, and what was the reach? How, how many did you get to? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Our core strategic audience for this campaign is people 18 to 39. So we're really targeting that younger end of the scale. And the reach that we generated was around 78% for that net reach across all the different channels that we um yeah, it was quite effective. I mean, it wasn't... It landed. Yeah, it landed. It wasn't like we don't have massive budgets, so it's really important for us that we obviously, you know, try and use the media that we have as effectively as possible. Well, I've got to say, I'm a bit miffed I'm outside the target market because I love this stuff and I'm, <laughs> and, and I'm old, so thanks for that. How did the Lover... So how did this Lover campaign go in landing with the punters, Bianca? Competition votes, uh, numbers, etc. cetera. Um, what, 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 what did it look like? I think that like it far surpassed our expectations. We had over 44,000 unique votes against each of the 291 nominated local brands. And aside from hitting our campaign KPIs that Ness spoke about earlier, we also shifted how Aussies felt about the brand with a 17% increase in more positive feelings towards BWS and also an 8% increase in people wanting to do more shopping with BWS. And we actually found out yesterday through our Conometric modelling report that just got released that Local Lover actually has had the highest ROI of any campaign that we've run. In, in what time frame is that? In the last, we've got probably three years of data. Vanessa, that's a good number. That's a good number for you, Vanessa. You like that? We always like those numbers. It sets a new benchmark and now the team have to surpass it for the next one. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, damn it. Now you made more hard work for yourself. I'm sorry, Bianca. So yes, some of those some of those other numbers you talked about, these, these are good results. Yeah, they're really good results. And I think it just proves that the campaign really resonated with the people that we were trying to reach. And I guess... Obviously, the local suppliers were really, really blown away with the support for the, um, from a brand such as a huge retailer like BWS. So for all the bonus media that we negotiated, we actually divvied that up and created, the, um, creating eight, created 18 campaigns with the bonus media to support the um, winners just to drive that extra awareness for their local brands. So like they were obviously really, really thankful and very, very grateful that we kind of went to these lengths. While all this is happening on the strategic side and the media side, you also were working with a with a new creative agency on this one. Um, what were the early challenges around that? Because it's a big campaign, it was new, and it sounded like pretty complex. So it's not, not no easy task here. Yeah, so there were so many moving parts. I can't like it, it was a bit of a mammoth task and for this particular project we were working with the agency paper moose the amazing guys over there so i guess um the challenges for us at the time is it generally it was just a crazy crazy hectic time and everyone was i guess adjusting to what the new world that covid 
was bringing and we were all really new to working by Zoom and trying to figure that out. And it was just, I found personally that it was much harder to develop the relationships with new people than what it is when you're all in a room together and you're working face to face. And this is the grand, this is the grand remote and in, in, in office and physical meeting debate, right? Is what works, what doesn't. Yeah, I, I like that's just my style of working. I like to be with people and in a room and nutting things out versus doing things remotely. So I think there was also a lot of over communication given the new relationship and um, like we haven't even met the paper moose guys yet. We try to meet up like a while Is ago. Is that right? We, yeah, we <laughs> went back into lockdown. So it's like, it's just been a little bit crazy and the other thing is normally with lead times, uh, normally with BWS, like we work really, really well with them and we normally have quite long lead times and our normal way of working for this campaign just wasn't going to work. So we had to definitely adapt a more flexible and sprint style approach so we could move a lot quicker, which worked really well. And I think it worked really well for the Paper Miss guys as well and also BWS. Just on that, Vanessa, how have you found, you know, Bianca talks about, you know, in the middle of all this, it's all virtual and it was quite complex and trying to work it all out. Where do you, how do you sit on the on the remote and in person and particularly in those new relationships? Have you got any thoughts on that? Um, a bit of a side gist, but I'm interested in your thoughts on, on the brand side. Well, I think it's um, a new, you know, a new way of working that's here to stay. Um, I think there's lots of positive things that have come out of this. Um, I would say that, you know, when you are in the, you know, at the start of a new campaign and trying to work really fast, yep, it's challenging. But the other thing that it does is it's also very galvanising as a team because everybody was so bought into this concept, this opportunity, that um, it really helped rally the troops. And so whilst there are challenges, they weren't roadblocks. Um, and, you know, people just got on with it and were really passionate to kind of get the outcome. So um, I think under those scenarios, you prove to yourself as a team that you can overcome those sort of obstacles and you do it quicker than you expected. And so then the next one becomes easier and easier um, and it doesn't become a, a constraining way of working. It becomes, hey, we've done it before, guys. Yeah, good points. So listen, we'll wrap this up with some final um, conclusions from, from from both of you. I know you've got to go busy and, and find the next campaign that exceeds the current uh, current numbers, so we better let you do that. But what were the key learnings, Vanessa, first? Um, what were your key learnings uh, and surprises, I guess, in developing this campaign? It's really interesting to me that uh, where you've got BWS, you know, walking the talk on the local and the Australian stuff with your, not only your comms, but what you were doing, it seems to have really, really worked. But um, learnings from you out of this campaign. Okay. So I think one of the major things for us was around um, throwing out the traditional way of working. It's important to always have a plan. Um, but as I mentioned earlier in retail, you've actually got to be very, very fast paced and you've got to be able to react. And I think what this has taught us is to operate at two speeds. So we've always got that plan, that vision in sight, um, but we are actually as a team operating in different sprints now. And so, you know, we're constantly looking at what's just around the corner what's the cultural moment that's changed what's the behavior do we need to you know quickly change what we're doing do we need to evolve what we're doing do we need to completely discard it so um it is a 
a more challenging way of working, a more dynamic way of working. Um, but I think ultimately it is actually right for the customer because if you want to really connect with what's going on, you have to be in that phase. You know, we can't be doing plans two years out and thinking that um, they're going to be relevant in this day and age. So I can tell, I can certainly confirm that you're um, not talking any bullshit there because you've had 12 hours notice for this podcast and you've turned around and showed great agility. So well done, Vanessa. You're talking to talk. <laughs> Thank you. And I mean, look, we're working right now on a campaign that is going to market in two weeks' time that we thought about two weeks ago, right? So, I mean, we are we are living it. And at the same time, we're still looking at what are those building blocks that we need to do on our brand that are foundational that are going to take a longer time. So, we, we do operate at this two speed, um, which is exciting. I think, you know, a big learning for me was um, definitely we knew we were onto something with local, but actually really um, putting it at the heart of our brand is super important for us to continue. I mean, I, I shared with you some numbers early, but we actually shifted how Aussies felt about BWS, um, you know, with a 17% increase in terms of their positive feel, feelings to us. Um, and we actually saw numbers of like, I think about 8% increase in people wanting to do more shopping with BWS. So, there is this, you know, when you tap into that right sentiment and um, connect with what customers or what the public are talking about, you will translate that to business results. And we always believe that as marketers, um, but it's really nice to see it when it really happens. That's great. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you a question on uh, not that hasn't isn't on notice. Um, in terms of there's a lot of talk at the moment uh, in the lead up to Christmas about big bottlenecks in the supply chain, e-com logistics delivery challenges as, as everyone moves to e-com. Um, in terms in terms of your split in uh, in store and e-com, I'm sure you're showing you know huge numbers in terms of deliveries. Uh, but your your expectations for the for this December quarter, uh, Vanessa, is it is it strong and holding up? And have you got have you got uh, are you meeting any of the, any or seen any of those supply chain logistics issues that many others are? I mean, as an industry, the whole industry is definitely challenged with some of those issues. Um, but what I'd say the benefit is for BWS is where some of those issues are, we can lean on local suppliers to fill those gaps. Um, and so that is the benefit of our strategy, actually. How did the e-com boom go for you? Still happening? Still happening. It was happening before COVID. It was happening throughout COVID. Right. Um, it's, it's here to stay. I think if anything, COVID has accelerated that growth that we were you know, expecting to see. Um, we've got a whole lot of customers who are using different channels. Um, but we've got to remember at BWS, because we have such a huge network, that we will always um, have those customers who like to drop in, you know, on their way home, on their way somewhere. So um, for us, it really is a balance. We're seeing huge growth um, in, in e-com, but I'm sure when customers are out, of, out and about of lockdown, we'll see, you know, great store growth again as well. So the Australian and the local thing, or more the local thing really, the cues are there to say, I imagine you'll carry this through for some time yet, you'll continue iterations of, of local now. Is it, is it a sort of really showing you that you can work you can work through this and do even more? Yeah, absolutely. And look, if you come into our stores, you'll see, um, you know, when New South Wales and Victoria are out of lockdown, you'll see that local is prioritised on the, you know, on the, um, the shelves that you can find it easily. Um, when we used to do tastings, which hopefully we can bring back after um, you know COVID lifts a little bit um, you know the store teams are always um, doing a nice range that um, has local products in it so that people can constantly experiment and try products from their local community. Bianca your your kind of key learnings out of this this crazy this crazy campaign and crazy phase that you had to do you know the, the environment you're in what's your what was your sort of surprises and learnings out of this? Actually it was very similar to Ness in terms of yeah we actually don't need to stick to the 
same process that we've been doing year in and year out. So, you know, adapting that much more flexible and sprint style approach really suited us. It's actually something we've continued to um, adopt to this day. I think the other thing that kind of surprised me was in a good way was the amount of the nominated brands who really, really got behind the campaign and used the toolkit we provided, like buying their own out of home panels and doing their own social campaigns and, you know, letterbox drops and really getting behind the campaign. It was just, I feel like a really nice proof that we were actually doing the right thing and it landed with them. And yeah, it was just probably one of the most surprising things. To be clear there, the toolbox, you sort of had how-tos on, on how those brands could actually market themselves and do their own thing. You, you provided that for them. Correct. Yeah, we created it for them so they could, um, yeah, take advantage and yeah, do their own promotion. And we weren't really sure if they would, but they, they definitely did. Yeah. Well, um, great conversation, and I can see why you've landed a finalist. We, of course, have no idea who's won it and whether you guys have won it, but it's really worth – it's a great great case study on uh, in, in, in the middle of a crazy time. So, so Vanessa and Bianca, thanks for joining. Stay safe and, and look forward to a Christmas with um, lots of local beer and cheer from BWS. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater – music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.